All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was a... I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Well, hey guys, Team Jones coming at you. Summer is winding down and we are super excited about the classes we're offering this fall. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com and check out the classes and events. And we'll also put that in the show notes. Also, James's YouTube channel is diversified. We've added the first two seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast and it has opened us up to a totally new audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. It's totally free. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe. Or a podcast. <laughs> also, Team Jones Coaching. I am a certified life coach and business coach and am accepting a few new clients for the fall. I would love to sit down and work with you one-on-one. DM me or email me at Haley at teamjones.co for more information. Thank you for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and this is my story. And this is Haley Jones, and this is his story that is now my story. Yes, and she a likes, part of my story. And she likes to mock me every time we start these days. <laughs> well, hey guys. <laughs> well, I think we just published like the hundredth episode, and I've said that every time we start. Yeah, so. probably more than once in a lot of episodes because we had to like retake, <laughs> reposition yourself. <laughs> All right, well, you left everybody hanging last week. Uh, yes, so we had talked about the foundry, like you said, and so what we left people hanging on, I mean, sometimes you stop me and don't <laughs> let me talk. I don't know if you want me to say this or not, but um, you and I both are the type of people. Yeah. And I don't say this cockily, if that's a word. Or with arrogance, Mm -hmm. but we both are the type of people, I think, that we're very kind of, like, determined, like, self-motivated, like, get things done. Yeah. And we're not the type of people to get fired from places. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that In fact, I don't... I've never been fired. I don't think I have either. Um, Um, Until now. (laughs) 
<laughs> Here we go. Well, we didn't unpack any of the details, so I probably need to... Right. No, I just thought I'd... Yeah, we're going to unpack those details. Yeah. But what I left you hanging on, or everybody hanging on, was that you got fired. I did, and it was so hard. <laughs> and the crazy way which we're going to unpack those details of how that happened. So where do you want to start with it? Um, I guess just jumping where we left off. Your mom had passed away. Mm-hmm. I had graduated from Highlands College. Yeah. I did a year-long internship with my Highlands campus, the Fultondale campus. Yeah. And really during the process of that, you know, I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't asked me to. I went to Highlands College to do re-entry and then, you know, that didn't work out. I realized I'm not made to work in church. It's not my thing. Really, right. honestly, like halfway through it, I would have quit my internship if it weren't for you coming <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely was like, you're not a quitter. I'm not going to let you quit. Yeah, but I knew it was not something I'm doing. Right, but that's not the point. I feel like once you start something and commit to something, and at that point, the internship that we had been doing was leading the outreach team. Yeah. And we had taken on responsibilities, and it it just just wasn't right to just drop that in the middle of the project or whatever. I realized quickly, like, I'm not made to stand around and be a diplomat and do all this stuff. It's just not, I'm not good at it. I mean, right. I, I don't know you're better at it than me, but I remember there was one time some lady telling me, you said this and that. And I was like, I didn't say that. And it's just. Well, it's the whole it thing with like much. ministry. Like you had been inundated with ministry stuff since yeah. you got saved in prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way that I have never been exposed to it or felt pressure or. Anything like that. I don't know if I'm using the right words, but yeah. Um, but I think for you, because you had been involved in doing things, it was like a natural thing to explore and think about is like, should I work in a church or be in full time, quote unquote, ministry, yeah. vocational ministry, where you're getting paid to do it, basically? Yeah. And I knew that was not what I was made for. <laughs> Although technically you were doing that at the foundry as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it was just, you know, I love my church, love my campus, love the people. Just yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't need to be working there. Well, yeah, I mean. Go go to the church, support church, love the church, all the things, but not being on staff in, in a church. Right. That's just not, that's not who I am. So my internship ended in July of 2018 and then... We were done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to pursue that any further. I made the decision, you know, I could probably be at the foundry for another 10 years, so I went kind of all in with that. Um, we redesigned everything there. I had everything rocking and rolling towards, in the fall, opening, starting a culinary training program, and it was going to be, it was actually going to be separate from all the other programming. Like, I would have my own dorm, my own people. Everything. It was just too many neat things happening and I just felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm, I think I told you I could probably do this at least another 10 years. Yeah. Because I felt like I was leaving something there, too. But Well, and you were you just had vision for, you know, the culinary thing. And it was a challenge, too. It was which amazing. I think you yeah. really, you know, thrive when you feel like you have a challenge of something new in front of you. Yeah. It was it was uh, It was an exciting time. But then it took a turn there around... I think it was around the middle of July where things just quickly started, to, where it looked like everything was together and getting better. You know, they gave me an office over, you know, where the executives were and all that stuff. 
And I had totally transformed the the food service where I had a food service manager. And this guy, Jeremy, that had worked with me for the past 18 months, he was leading that. I hired a, uh, a gal to be the rescue manager to deal with the community people. And she was leading the, the rescue side of it. And then I had other and you, and she, staff. You and, were her direct report, right? Yeah. So it was like your little team. I remember we even actually did a dinner yeah. thing for your team. I think that was at Christmas. Yeah, but it was still, it felt like, you know, you had a team of people you were leading. Yeah. And. It was amazing. Yeah. Or I thought it was amazing till, <laughs> till it wasn't amazing. But uh, what ended up happening was I hired her because I talked about Leslie Freeman several times on this podcast. She was the reason why I went to the founder. She was my direct report till she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She had moved on and, and went to work for a, a, a Sozo ministry where they're doing um, working with kids in Africa. Really neat thing that really fit her better. But they hired a new chief operating officer. His name was Daryl. I won't say his last name. But when the opening came in for the for me to hire somebody to be a rescue manager, he recommended somebody to me, and I feel like it was a mistake now for hiring her because like she was in his. How do I say it? Like she was one of his. Well, they had known each other for years. Yeah, but he he kind of saw her. I feel like he kind of saw her as a project a little bit. You think? Kinda. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was more like a daughter or something like that. Maybe it was a. I don't well, know. Well, bottom line, though, I have to say with this, you're about to what you're saying. Yeah, this happens all the time. Yeah. Like when you're making hires and teams, and like I mean, this is how things work. Yeah, people that know people then get people jobs That's or help true. get people jobs. So well, it was a little bit more of that for me because it was complicated the foundry. I needed Jeremy to be my food service manager, but he had to graduate the program before he could get be on staff. So it was like I was making a deal and finagling and uh, I kind of made a deal with him to hire this girl if I could put the food service thing on hold until after he graduated so I could hire him. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. As you're putting it like this and I'm thinking about it, it's interesting to me because you're all about like, Following the process, like going through the, like the system, I did. Stuff. But you 
tried to kind of like, well, let's like put it off, try to get him to like I all strategize. That. Yeah, you strategize. And yeah. I mean, as we're going to talk about, it ended up biting you in the butt. <laughs> it did. The whole thing did. But with her, she came in. She was a young girl, newly married. Uh, she had been a part of some stuff before but and loved people. And I was, you know, basically having to train her. This is how we serve the community. And we, we came up with new systems and procedures. And honestly, we cleaned up the mess that was there before. I mean, they used to have it. Person that was there before me, if somebody came and needed a food box, like they had to fill out all these things. And almost like you're going in the doctor, they had to have their driver's license, social security card, all this stuff. And so anyways, we cleaned all that up, ended all that where we could just start helping people again. Because that got really, I guess, like bureaucracy. It got into, I don't know, somebody needed their job to be secure. But we got all that worked out. And in the process, I eventually got to hire Jeremy on as my food service manager. And I was really a part of him putting his life back together. Like, I don't know anyone at the foundry or anywhere that I've ever spent as much time, as much resources, as much influence trying to help get to a better place than I did with him. And But you remember I wanted to. I didn't feel like, I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. Well, yeah, I think you saw potential and you really... I mean, liked him. Yeah. He was a hard worker. We were friends. You became friends over time. Yeah. I really wanted him on my team. Um, I mean, he was in my house. He babysat my kids. I mean, what was it about him that was different than, you know, other guys? Because normally you're pretty, like, you're kind of a hard ass a little bit. Well, he don't like people in general. And then maybe. That's not true. (laughs) Well, I mean, the first time. I mean, especially. I don't like nonsense. I don't, especially in the work set, I don't have time for nonsense. Like, if we got work to do, let's do the work and then, you know, do the nonsense somewhere else. So I don't, I'm very, I wouldn't say I don't like people. Well, I, we, we always joke and you agree that it's very rare that you meet someone for the very first time that you say, man, I like them. You're usually like, either like, oh, I don't really like them. And then you get to know them and you like them or meet them a couple more times or whatever. You make me sound like a bad guy. Well, you even said you're like that. I am, but I don't tell everybody that. <laughs> but with Jeremy, like, I will say it is interesting because you took a took a liking to him. I don't know a better way to say it. That sounds yeah. cheesy. But, like, I don't know. You definitely went out of your way more than you normally would yeah. to, like, help and support him. Well, he really had a vision for what I was trying to do there. Mm-hmm. And he had been in the food industry all his life, and it was always his downfall because there's a lot of drugs and alcohol and stuff that's in any food service yeah. establishment. So he was trying to find a way to get away from it. But he still had the, the knowledge, the know-how. You know, he was good at what he did. Uh, he was good with people. And it was just a perfect fit. I remember trying to talk him out of it when he said he wanted to pursue that. And he was like, no, I want to be on your team. No, I want to be on Team Jones. You know, I want to do what you're doing. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I believe that. I mean, I, I bought into that, and it was, you know, trying to help him. Um, I mean, I even had a friend that reached out and said, I've got a car that I want to give somebody. Do you have any good candidates? And I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, I got this one guy that's getting ready to graduate. He don't. Did he get that car? Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, a guy came and gave him a title to a car. He got a car. Um, we set him up with staff housing where he could live there without paying rent. Um, full-time job. Uh, the salary I negotiated with him was higher than any salary that I ever got to pay anybody on my team before. So it was just, it was a lot. But I'm the type, 
especially in a business setting, like when you get something settled and established and you start working, then I move on to the next thing. So once he was established, he was settled, the food service was rocking and rolling, doing things like it was supposed to. Then Mandy's side of the my team with the rescue and the outreach and all that stuff, you know, we had all those systems in place. And I mean, we met for hours and hours and spent weeks and months like coming up with brand new programming. Like this is how we do it. Yeah, I remember you were doing team meetings, weekly team meetings, and no, we were meeting three or four times a week. To, oh, okay. Because we re we redid everything. Yeah, that, that's a pretty massive operation. But I'm the type like once we get that settled and everything's done, then I move on to the next thing. And I've always been like that. I mean, like why do you have to keep needling something that's already done? Like we've already got it settled. Everything's done. Just let's now let's just you do your job. You do your job, and now I'm gonna start working on this culinary stuff. And I was so excited about the culinary program thing because I felt like, what a way to redeem everything I've ever been through and a way to to help people get into like uh, a culinary career and connecting them with people locally where they can get jobs. And I don't know, it just seemed like I was doing what I was supposed to do. But somewhere in the midst of that, I obviously missed something because it all started to unravel about the middle of 2019 when... Something happened with Mandy where she said something, and I was short with her. I don't remember. I don't remember the specifics. I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm... It was something I'd asked her to handle. There was a pile of stuff at the back door that was supposed to go to the thrift store, and I'd asked her three times to you know, go through it and get rid of it and send it to the thrift store because like, we would get stuff donated. Some of the stuff we, we had to re-give like give away. And then if we couldn't give it away, we sent it to the thrift store and they sold it. So it was something where I came in and I said, you know, I've asked you for three days to go through this and get rid of this pile that's at the back door. I can't stand it. And she got her little feelings hurt and ran off. And I mean, even the way you say it is a little condescending, though. She, did she got her little feelings hurt. Well, she did. Come on now. If you're an adult working a job, you need to just do your job. I mean, I don't, I don't get into all that little extra stuff and i mean weigh in feel free because you criticized me during this time and tell me i was a hard ass and i was this that and the other well your strength is that you execute once you've either made up a plan or feel like a plan has been determined yeah then you do the plan yeah but i do think your achilles heel and downfall is that it is very hard to work with you because <laughs> you do, you are very harsh. Well, it's the same with you and I, what I think happened with you and her. Yeah, it's happened is several that times. that you, when someone wants to communicate or confirm or, or whatever, there needs to be some communication, ongoing yeah. communication from one person's end. You don't like that and you think it's unnecessary. A waste of energy. And you make that known. Yeah. So then it makes other people feel like they can't communicate or they get their head bit off or just makes like, I think it just lends to her like feeling a little bit like insecure in the role or feeling like you can't confirm, like, I just want to make sure this is what I need to do. <laughs> and then you just talk, you know, harsher than a lot of people are used to. And that's... Well, as for me, usually if I get in a situation, I don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Let's just do what we need to do and move on. And if you're an adult working a job, just do your job. Don't I don't have to come and tell you to do your job. Well, I think there's just a way. I agree with that. You're right. But there are ways to communicate things yeah. that 
don't that don't have to be like offensive or hurt someone's feelings. No, I know. I mean, I agree with I you. I mean, sometimes there's a time just to like, you know, you need to get this done. Period. End of discussion. I and get that. On. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, your communication style. So, anyways, can't be tough. so this is what happened with Mandy. So, yeah. Anyway, she ran off because I heard her feelings like disappeared. Wouldn't answer text. And for how long? I don't remember that. Part. It was the day, the day. Oh, the day. Okay. Like yeah. she left her responsibilities and things that she was responsible for. So she was really upset. That yeah, day. but I don't play that. I don't. Do but that. did you know she was that upset? I knew I hurt her feelings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she had all this thing where she was always say, well, I'm good friends with Daryl, and he's the COO, and I'll go. Did she say that, actually? Several times. But she was very young, and I was trying to help her, trying to work through that. But then Jeremy started saying that. And I said on several occasions. Started saying what? Like, we're going to go tell Daryl. And I'm like, I don't care. I mean, go tell whatever you want to tell. But it was one of those things where he outranks you, and... He did, and that I don't even know how I'm saying this. Um, like they were trying to use that, or she was like trying to use it as like a subtle little weapon. Or I'll go tell, da- I'll go tell Daddy Daryl. You know, I don't care. Go tell. <laughs> just to clarify, she probably did not say I'm going to go tell Daddy. She Darryl. didn't say Daddy Daryl, but it was the it was just the way it, and it was annoying too because he was brand new. Like he didn't really know what was going on. I mean he he was a leader in like youth ministry or whatever. But the foundry was a is a unique machine, and you know we had all these new people. Nobody really knew what was going on, and I just felt like it turned into a thing where I'm not putting up with that. Okay, so in summary, for this little thing, yeah, they got offended because of the way you talked to them. Well, she did. Okay, she got offended by the way you talked to him. To so, so she ran off. <laughs> well, no. So hold on. <laughs> Literally, she ran off, left her duties and her job, and I was highly annoyed. And I texted her and I told her, you know, this is not the way you do it as adults. And if I need to go sit down and talk with you, with Daryl, or you know, if we need to help you find another position or another job we can do that too but you know this is that's not that's not the way you do business here's how i read it yeah she was not able to come to you for whatever reason and say to you i don't appreciate the way you said that to me yeah i don't like it i feel like you're too harsh yeah you can say it another way all that for whatever reason she didn't do that mm-hmm. even though that would have been ideal yeah. Right for you. I mean, that's a question. Yeah, that is okay. correct. So that's what she could have done different. What? How do you think? What? What do you think you could have done differently? I guess not be harsh, but when I get to my limit, I, I, and at the foundry, there's this disease that they have among staff there. I call it the foundry disease. You can cringe, but it's what I called it while I was there. It was disgusting. It was okay. I'm here. I have a job. I get paid to do my job. But you have all these 400 residents that live here and just make them do it. Make them clean my office. Make them go run my errands. And I didn't like that. I, I never put up with it with myself. I didn't do it. I didn't put up with it with my staff. But they was they were leaning towards some of that stuff. And it, would, it was annoying. And my thing is, if you're going to be on my team, you're going to be responsible for what you have to do and you're going to do your job because there are people that work at the foundry that don't even come to work because nobody's watching them. And that's true. 
I think in any nonprofit, like when the bureaucracy gets too big, and I just I wasn't I wasn't having that. We're going to do what we say we're supposed to do, and we're going to produce results. And if you don't want to do that, then go work somewhere else. So let's keep going with the story because we're I'm sure we'll circle back to this again. Yeah. This whole styles. All right, so she went and filed a human resources complaint against me, <laughs> which was it was literally nothing. I snapped at her. And so that turned into all this. But to her, it was something. It was. And I was willing to go through the process. Um, They let her take three vacation days, and they did an investigation, which I thought was ridiculous. But I went through that (laughs) thing. But the next day, my direct report wanted to meet me with Daryl, the guy that's over all the human resources stuff. And pause. What were they investigating over those three days exactly? Her her human resource complaint against me. And the complaint was that you talked too harshly. Yeah, I was being um, was was that verbally it? verbally abusive. They said. Oh wow, that's strong words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it was bullshit. Well, it's okay. Anyway, I'm just trying to give people a picture of what yeah. was written down. I mean, that three day investigation. It's kind of a lot, so it was. Yeah. I mean, but I knew. I, I mean, I knew. I know myself. I mean, you can get me with being too direct, but not with crossing. I don't feel like I ever crossed any lines. I mean, and with her, she's a girl. You know, a young girl. I felt like I went out of my way to not cross lines with her. Does that make sense? Yeah, but apparently she thought lines were crossed. <laughs> Obviously, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so three day investigation, and then you were asked to come meet with Daryl. Well, Daryl and my direct report, who's the chief program officer, was like, I need to have a meeting with you. We need to, like, talk this out. So I had already come up with a strategy. I had a girl that I went to Highlands College with who was the volunteer coordinator, and she had a heart for outreach. That was what she wanted to do. She was just to get married and move to far, far away <laughs> with her husband, but nobody knew that they were getting married. So I knew she only had maybe a year left at the Foundry Tops. So I went and talked to her, and I said, if I can get you and Mandy's job swapped and you keep your salary, because I know you're leaving, I won't tell them that, but can you get on my team and let's get this outreach stuff finished up good, and then you can move on to, I think they went to Indiana, and you could actually leave a legacy here. And she got excited about it, and uh, we talked to her. The guy that she worked for, the guy's team that she was on, he would be happy to make the swap with the team. So I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, Mandy just don't work good with me. So we can just make a switch, and then that'll be the end of that. And I was excited about it. So during these three days, I was in constant conversation with Jeremy, and he was telling me, you know, she's just being silly or she's a girl, you know, all the things. And I literally talked to him every day, always talking or texting or together and i don't know it felt like we were more than like co-workers we were like we we're really good friends mm-hmm. and when i got in the meeting my direct report dropped a bombshell on me was that it wasn't just her that made the complaint against me but he had as well and i honestly i felt like i was gonna pass out because i felt like betrayed I mean, I felt like, do you remember that the next day I had a had an outreach thing I was doing? I told you, I, I said, I feel like my blood pressure's up and I can't breathe. Like, I just felt like, I don't know. It was like all the work that we've been doing, everything has gotten twisted and convoluted and none of it made any sense. Yeah. And for him, it was like, why couldn't, if you got a problem with me, why not just tell me? Yeah, that was the biggest thing of clearly the environment 
was not good, but it's like you were didn't know that, and no one was willing to no. like faith come to you and tell you. I had no idea, I had no clue. Yeah, but the problem was I had got an office across the street. I was spending most of my time working on the culinary program. I was present. I was there. I was in and out, but you know I was always doing something. But I. I don't know. It just felt like a betrayal. Like, well, it was a betrayal in this for sure, in the sense of as close as y'all were, even if like y'all were just close coworkers, I would yeah. say that like he didn't give you the respect to come never, tell you that he had a problem with you. Never a word. Yeah. Never a word to me. But what I found out later on was it has started with this little, you know, we can take him down, we can do this, we can do that. Wait, it started with who saying that? Jeremy and Mandy. Okay. Uh, come up with this little thing. So, so they were clearly offended. Yes, at me. Yeah. But I didn't know it right. until it was too late. So we ended up, I had to do the thing, they did the investigation, so I had to do the meeting with her first. That meeting actually went very well. We found out that I was an Enneagram 1, she's Enneagram 2, you know, she's sensitive, all stuff. <laughs> so, honestly, I wanted to make it work with her and help her, because I felt like I was helping her grow up, too, and learn how to work a job without trauma and all stuff. And I did care about her. I mean, she had been with me about a year by that time. I don't know. I got through that meeting. You felt, yeah, you felt like it was a productive meeting that you were both able to communicate things and be heard. Yes. Okay. And, and I feel like I was, uh, how you say, vindicated like, Yeah. through all the complaints that they brought out. Like, their number one complaint they had against me was that I like to tell them to go figure it out. And I was like, I do I do say that. I say that all the time. Like, if it's something that you can't figure out, I'll figure it out for you. But if it's, like, something we've already figured out, go figure it out. Don't keep messing with me about little details about why you don't want to do your job. Go figure it out. You know, I can't say much here because that annoys the heck out of me when you I say know. that to but me. But there too. are certain things, like, I, you don't need to know. Well, to me, the bottom line here is, and I know we're, like, beating a dead horse. Yeah. Is that you would have appreciated, but I think they might have been intimidated. Yeah. But still, it would have been the right thing to do for them to tell you that, how what you were doing and how it was affecting them. Yes, and we had a, a Monday. We met every Monday. We had a two-hour meeting where we went over the week and everything we are doing. Yeah, I remember that. And you actually had, you had specifically asked him on several occasions, what can I do better? I asked him that every week. Every week, yeah. Every week. So it is... It wasn't like there was not that. space for that. Yeah. So I got through that, and I think it went well, and... I could see how I hurt her feeling, mainly because of you, because I hurt your feelings sometimes and don't mean to. Mm-hmm. And there was one time during the meeting where she said, I just want you to talk to me like you talked to Lula. <laughs> and I remember just getting tickled and being like, I'm very direct with my daughter, but at the same time, my daughter's four years old. <laughs> so do you want you need me to talk to you like you're four years old? Is right. that what it takes for you to do your job, for me to talk to you like you're four years old? <laughs> So this ended up You being, didn't say that, did you? I think I did. Oh gosh, babe. <laughs> well no, I was trying to point out like you know, if you're gonna take my whole day from me where I gotta spend time with all these executives and human resource people over nothing, um, we need to talk it out and we did. Once again it was something to her. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like we came to a place where we made peace, everything was good. But then I had to do the meeting with Jeremy, who also took three vacation days out. I remember this because you were... I was pissed. Yeah. And I was ready. 
and armed. Of course you are. <laughs> well, no, if somebody makes a complaint against you, they have to give you the complaints ahead of time. Well, okay, so you can give Mandy credit because she made it known that she was upset and didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. That was obvious. I was, but the difference between her and Jeremy is that Jeremy... I was blindsided. ...was just acting like everything was fine and then behind your back yeah. saying he had all these problems. So. It was uh, it was pretty bad. But I don't think he realized that if you make a human resources complaint, they have to give me the, com- the list of complaints so that I can defend myself. So we were in like a three-hour meeting, me and him and all the human resources people. And the because executives. you had the list beforehand <laughs> yeah. of the specific things that he was upset about. Mm-hmm. And it was 17 things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're all twisted and convoluted. And you had the opportunity to speak to each of those things. Yes. Right. And so, and time er- to prepare that. <laughs> yes. So every one of his complaints were bullshit or fabricated or made up. Well, okay. So bottom line. Okay. There were there were several examples. One of them was he said that he worked that I was making him work seventy five hours a week and I was only working thirty six, <laughs> but I was able to pull up the logs and the schedules and everything and and show that. He actually was only working 34 hours a week, <laughs> and that sometimes I work 60 hours a week. Um, well, and a lot, just and, little and, stuff like and that. And stuff like that is like because you were the the director, and yeah. so a lot of your work was not a lot, but some was from home and emails. It was just like it did feel like he was like nitpicking. There was no complaint he had that was accurate or that I couldn't like prove. And like, was that evident in the meeting? Oh yeah. Bottom line. Okay. Yeah, he melted during the meeting. Like yeah. he came there thinking and he put on a show and it was it was a Hollywood production of him being hurt by me or whatever. And what was he saying he was hurt by? That I was a harsh and I was mean and I was a dictator and all all this I don't know. It was somewhere along the line he got offended at me. So bottom line, it, he had all these things, but really at the core root of it was, like you said, was hurt and offended because you were too harsh. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a bunch of stuff. But it was it took me back to when he first came in the program and some of the conversations, the real conversations that we had with him. He's one of those guys that has had hundreds and hundreds of really good jobs, but he only lasts at a job for like six months because he would always get involved in drugs or drama or something else. And basically, this was his pattern, and he hadn't broke the pattern. So he got in, he got settled with me, and then he started getting irritated with me and, I guess, trying to take me out or take me down or something. Okay, so what happened after this meeting? So we got to the end of the meeting. Everything was refuted. And, um, you know, these are nonprofit people. Everybody's smiling, doing all stuff. And so I said, well, before we... uh, before we end this, um, I just feel like I have something that I need to say. And uh, I brought that up, you know, that his pattern and his history was to come into organizations and do really good at first and then create havoc and then leave. And so I just said, if you don't want to be on my team, I don't want you on my team. And if you don't want to do the job the way it's set up, then you need to go find another job, work somewhere else, or you can give me a two-week notice or whatever you need to do, and that's what we can do. But I don't want you working with me if it's going to be this kind of drama. Because, I mean, I basically brought up his past, you know, of how he well, he was dirty. Okay, so how did he respond to that? Uh, he started, oh, it's nothing's ever going to change. He's just an evil dictator. 
And then in the meeting, he was saying that. Yeah, it was all drama. It was all it was all drama. Okay. But I remember Brandon, my direct report was like, "Oh, I just felt all the air leave the room. <laughs> oh, it what was does that going mean? so good. Like it, everything was good until I brought that up. But I'm like, I can't leave here and go back to work with him. He can't work with me more after this. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Well, especially because of how it came to be. <laughs> and it was all lies. Because there's no trust that he's going to tell you when he's actually upset because he was no. faking that, that, that could it. not yeah. work. So anyways, I got back across the road and went to the office because we shared an office at that time when I was over there. Went into the office and I told him, you know, I don't have to be mad. We don't have to do nothing, but, you know, you can go ahead and give me your notice. And so he gave me his two-week notice and that was that. All right. But then I had to work with him another two weeks. But Mandy was still... Mandy was fine. Yeah. She was good. Okay, so then what happened then when he was working on his two-week notice? All right, so he spent probably the first week trying to suck up to me and tell me, he kept telling me he was sorry 45 times a day, and, you know, I was deceived, and, you know, Mandy tricked me, and this one said that, and that one said this, and I just started, got in my feelings, got in my head, and I was honest, like, okay, it's fine, we can still be friends, you know, just, you don't need to work here, go do something, do whatever you need to do. Was he wanting to still work there? No. Okay. That was his pattern. He didn't, He couldn't do anything. Okay, but let's keep going. So he's working out his two-week notice. He's apologetic, saying all the things. Yeah, I mean, him. over the top, just, it was, like, just stop. Just do your work, do your job till you leave. And in the process of that, I found somebody else to hire, a guy that had come through the program, Lucas. You know, I'm saying last names on any of these. He was living at CLCC with Mr. Gilbert, and um, I don't know. It all worked out. Everything was working out good. So I was still going to have a good, solid team. Uh, brought Lucas in, started training him on Jeremy's last week. He was supposed to train him. And then um, that Friday, I had a tradition or whatever you want to call it with my guys, is that if we work hard during the week, we get our work done. On Friday afternoons, we would have a movie day. It was like where we would pop popcorn. There was a lot of rules with them about movies they could watch and couldn't watch. And so for them to be able to sit and watch a movie without being interrupted was kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the benefits of working with me. If you were in the program, you know, we did the movie day on Fridays. Well, that Friday, we watched my favorite movie of all time was The Color Purple. I had about 28 guys that worked that were in the program, that were with me. I would say out of that, there were probably about five or six African-American black guys. And one of them, um, he and I, I won't say his first name, but we shared the last name Jones, so we would call each other Team Jones and all stuff. And he loved the color purple as well. And so over the next week, two or three days, I could quote parts of that movie and he could finish the quote. And it was uh, kind of just a back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, have you seen the color purple? You've seen the color purple. I've seen it, but it's it's been a long time. And I, I don't have the same affection for it that you do. <laughs> well, it's just like, it's from... I mean, it's a great movie. It's, it's just... from like the turn of the 20th century, you know, and it's, it's focused on like African-Americans after slavery, but they're still spirit and racism and all the stuff that they go through. And specifically one girl, Miss Seeley, who decides, you know, I'm creating the image of God. I'm going to figure my life out and, and be free from all this stuff. And we would just quote parts of the movie back and forth, you know, like, you told Harpo to beat me. <laughs> uh, well, you don't have to go into details. You know, one part of the movie was uh, where Harpo was dancing with somebody and was dancing with his wife who had left him. <laughs> 
And we would do that while we were cooking. It's, you know, like I would quote parts of that movie where I say, woman ain't no right for a man to dance with his wife. And then he would say, not if she left him. And then I would say, not if he my man. <laughs> you know, when we were doing like that. Yeah. They were lining up to get ready to come to eat. And I said, remember, all the colored people got to get to the back of the line. And it was, was that a line from the movie? Yes and no. I don't remember. I was just playing because we had been playing. We had this right. banter going right. back and forth. Well... I don't know if Jeremy heard that or how that got blown out of proportion, but anyways, that got reported. This is what got reported. Yeah, another complaint to HR. James told all the black people they had to get to the back of the lines. <laughs> so I got a call from my direct report. He's like, yeah, I come to my office right now. And he told me, he said, did you say that? And I said, I did, but not like that. It was, uh, and he was like, oh, James, James. James, you know you can't do you. No, I mean, I know you play, but no. And so I was like, I don't even have anything to say. I know I'm in trouble. I mean, it was a joke. We were joking. We were playing. And I don't even know. I don't even know, uh, you know, what to say. I don't know. What, what do I got? It was a joke. You know, I was playing. It was a joke. Everybody knows me. I mean, I have Brandon is my adopted son. He's black. Black yeah. as a berry. I mean... <laughs> Um, so anyways, sum it up, they got me. (laughs) Well, no, so that was a, what do you call that, a discrimination? It turned into a big thing. Like the official word for it? I don't remember the official word. The official word was you in trouble. Okay, so then you got in trouble. What did they do? What happened? Um... He was trying to fix it. He called all the black people over and had me apologize to him. And I was like, y'all know I'm not. You know, that was the color purple reference, you know. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you know. It was it was nothing. It was literally nothing. So he says he's cleaning up, getting it fixed. This could be bad. This could be a lawsuit. This could be this, could be that. The next day I get a call. I got to go meet with Mike Andrews, the CEO. And so I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew from the time Pastor Bill renounced his retirement and they put the fancy people in charge. Okay, but now you're sounding like you're making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I just knew that this politically correct, perfect, uptight, it's not who I am. I'm always going to mess up in that kind of environment. So he called me in. He told me he had to suspend me for a week. It had been made an official HR complaint. And uh, my punishment was he was going to suspend me for a week without pay, which I'd seen them do to people before, but they tell them to leave immediately. They have to leave immediately. He said, but I'm going to give you the rest of the day to get your affairs in order because I was in running a lot of stuff, you know. Right. And they didn't even know what to do. So I, you could tell it was like a delicate balancing act. But at the same time, I didn't want my department to get screwed up over this. Mm-hmm. However they told me to do it, I was not allowed to talk to anybody at the foundry or any of my people or discuss this matter with anybody. Mm -hmm. And then I had to take some kind of course on uh, professionalism. Yeah. I could choose who I wanted to teach it to me. Like there were three or four options. And it was basically I had to take this training on professionalism and I had a week to get it done. (laughs) And I don't know. I was so embarrassed to come home and tell you that. And, of course, you know, you're like, I told you, I, you know, you weren't that forgiving. Were you? Yes, I was. I mean, I felt for you, but I also... No, on the next one you were, but... I mean, I felt for you, but I also, like, even, like, throughout our marriage, I can <laughs> think that you make jokes that... And sometimes I feel like I can feel that people are uncomfortable just yeah. slightly. And 
They may not be, but I just since that, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I always brought that up with you anyway. So when this yeah. happened, I was just like, see, like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I know you're joking and most people know you're joking, but sometimes, I mean, I notice this about you, like just in general, yeah. you can say things or like pop comments in there. That's a reference to something else, but the person you're talking to doesn't know <laughs> the reference or the context yeah. because you're so contextual. Like you'll say things like from a context to something else and people are like a little bit lost of what you're saying mm-hmm. because they don't know what you're referencing or whatever. Yeah, And so, you know, I mean, I just, I do think I was just like, yeah, maybe this should be a good yeah. time to like know this and then Maybe not do it so much or just be more careful. I don't know. Be yeah. more mindful. Yeah. So. So I set every got everything set up. And I have to say you were. I do think you took that seriously and were like, yes, if I'm going to be in leadership, that type of leadership, I do yeah. need to be more careful. Well, no, you I've, did take it to heart. I did. And I have learned from that. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things you just don't play about. Yeah. And I stopped. Mm-hmm. But I, it was a hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. But so that was like on a Thursday. The next day I went and found, it was a John Maxwell course on professionalism. And I actually paid 50 bucks to take it so I could get my certification and be able to write a report and tell them. And I went to Panera in Gardendale and there was Pastor Bill (laughs) (laughs) eating lunch. And uh, he was like, what are you doing here? And I told him, I said, well, I got in a little trouble. My mouth got me in a little trouble. And he (laughs) said, "Uh, well, I hadn't heard nothing about it. And I said, well... I'm doing what they told me to do. And he was like, you'll figure it out, son. You you know, you figure it out. But uh, the 21 days of prayer that we have twice a year at our church started that Sunday. And it had been five years before on 21 days of prayer that I went to the foundry. Yeah. So the very first day of 21 days of prayer, or the Monday after it started, the very first day where you get up and go, I was in the middle of 21 days of prayer. I got a text from Mike Andrews that he wanted to see me in his office. It was actually day one of 21 days of prayer, or was that first Monday of the very beginning? Yeah. Well, they call it Sunday. Which, ironically, that is this week that we're sitting in now. Yeah, today's day one. It's the same. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. It was... uh... It was weird. But during that, I got a text from Mike Andrews that said, can I see you in my office at one o'clock? And I came straight home and I told you, I said, this is not good news because if they're doing an investigation on me, they're not going to find anything on me on anything like that. But they're going to give it the week and then I'm going to learn my lesson. I'm going to turn in my report and I'm going to be more politically correct. If he's texting me to meet him today, it's only been three days, four days. So this is not good news. And I remember you were like, well, just, you know, be encouraged, whatever. And I remember just thinking and telling you, now's not a good time for me to lose my job. Like, I don't, you know, insurance and, you know, everything would be all messed up. And you were like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, is there ever a good time to lose a job? I I mean, but but. (laughs) we were in the process of trying to buy a house. We needed a bigger house and everything. It just seemed like everything was going in the direction the way it was supposed to go. And this would have really thrown a wrench into all of it. Mm -hmm. And I was still reeling a little bit from my mom's. Yeah. Dying. Like, I remember I was still in a very tough, like, reclusive season for me anyway. 
Well, it only been four or five time. months. Yeah, so everything was still fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed like everything was happening during that time. Lulu was starting school. Um, your mom had passed away, like dealing with her state and all the things we were doing with that. Trying to sell our house, trying to find a house, moving. You know, figuring all that out. Trying to make sure we didn't move outside of a certain school zone because of Lulu's school. She was starting kindergarten. Yeah. And he called me in. I went in, sat down. They were looking like they were, I don't know what they were looking like. They were in mourning or something. It was a weird vibe. vibe. So I sit down and uh, Micah, who's the CEO, he's kind of like, kind of like, Got his head down, like not really looking at me. And Daryl was clearly the one that had taken over this meeting. And he like looked at me and said, we've just spent the last all weekend trying to find a way to keep your job. And so I said, okay. I mean, I know I messed up and I, you know, I'm sorry. He said, we've been trying to find a way to keep your job. But according to the lawyers that work for the HR company, there's nothing we can do to save you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, we have uh, documented evidence of sexual harassment. And I was like, by, by who? <laughs> and he said that he had a complaint against me for sexual harassment and he had video evidence. And I was like, <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I play about a lot of things. I don't play like that. I do not play like that. Um, so this was on top of the... Yeah, this was just one more thing. It was just, but yeah. it was just like, it was so bizarre to me, the, the, the way he was saying that to me. And I know myself, I don't play sex. I don't play sex. I don't play sexually. I don't play like that. I mean, I don't. I know it. Yeah. And then he said, well, we have video evidence to prove it. And I said, you ain't got no video evidence on me harassing nobody about nothing. There ain't no way. And he said, well, we're not going to be able to share that with you. Um, We're not going to be able to share that with you because uh, we have to protect the victim. And I don't know if he saw the rage in my face or whatever, but I slammed my fist down on the table. I said, you're crazy as hell. You think I'm going to get in my car and ride back home and tell my wife that I'm losing my job for sexual harassment? Without you telling me what the hell you're talking about. And so he jumps up and runs out. And then he comes back and they did some whispering and came back. And he said, well, they said we could tell you. All of a sudden. (laughs) Well, they knew they were going to have to tell me. I mean, I don't know if this was part of some kind of bigger plot or game or whatever. I don't know what was going on. But I was totally baffled. I mean, because it's like somebody telling you something that you did that you know you didn't didn't do or didn't even come close to doing. Like, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. I don't know what you're talking about. There ain't no way. Okay, so they came back to tell you. Yeah, and he said it was Jeremy, the guy. <laughs> yes, the guy that worked for your... He was, he was the food service manager. And I had to force him to to tell the truth and to release the video evidence. And I was like, "What are you ta- like? What are you talking about?" And uh, he pulled a thing out and read it that I had was making fun of his man titties. Mm. And <laughs> I started laughing. And I was like, "You know what? You got me. <laughs> that sexual harassment. You got me." But this was the funniest part. This is where it went back to. This Jer- and this is the only thing. This Jeremy guy. What- no, but like the sexual harassment, because that is pretty heavy. It's stupid. So the only thing that was the sexual harassment that was the complaint is this. Man titties. Right. Okay, but this is where that started. We were friends. 
We were more than coworkers. We were friends. We were in at the foundry. You had to go through a lot of boring meetings where you had to just sit and sit and sit and sit. And we were in a meeting together about two or three months before that. And it was one of those boring meetings where you're losing your mind and you're trying to stay awake. And he had his phone turned over, and there was a mountain on the back of the phone, and it said Ruffner Mountain. And I said, what does that mean on your phone? And he said, oh, that's Ruffner Mountain. I grew up on Ruffner Mountain. I'm an I'm a outdoorsman. I'm a, uh, I'm a mountain climber and a kayaker. And I said, you are? I didn't know that. And he was like, oh, yeah, I climb mountains. I'm a hiker. And I said, hey, is that how you grew your titties? <laughs> Climbing mountains. Oh, that was a joke. He could talk uh, to me like that, too. Uh, well, let me just clarify, though, that this happened before the other complaints. That had been like three or four months Yeah, before. it happened way back, yeah. So, but this was during the time of with the Snapchat videos where you could do filters and make yourself into something else. Yeah. So I was playing one day with the Snapchat videos and there was one of a cop that could be eating donuts. Mm-hmm. And so I made myself into a cop and I was eating donuts. And I said, hey, this is how I grow my titties, climbing mountains. <laughs> but it was a it's because he was saying that he was an athlete and, a, you know, he was all this, but his body didn't say that. But it wasn't that I was making fun of him, just like making fun of people. He was my friend. He made fun of me, too. So it was a, it was a banter. It was a joke. And it was ridiculous. And it was like dug up. I and they used that Snapchat video as their, <laughs> as their video evidence. I don't know. I remember it was hard for me to come home and tell you that. And I remember you got so upset. Well, hold on. I feel like there needs to be some clarification. So I know we've mentioned this before, but just to remind people that the Foundry had an HR company that they hired. Yeah. So it's outside. So once something is like in their hands, yeah, they handle it. And so Jeremy had sent this sexual harassment complaint he to the HR it. without going through Daryl or Micah. Right? Well, you have to go through Daryl. Oh, it went through Daryl. Okay, but with this video. But the whole fact that, I mean, I guess technically the sexual harassment, like you sexually harassed him, but that so he stupid. did not, that he didn't put this forward until after your other yeah. discrimination or whatever that was called. It's because they started, they opened up an investigation on it. Right, right. And I found out later that was his last, like, oh, I can get him. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how did you find that out? When I went to clean out my office, I pulled up his computer and he he had already left done with his two week notice. And I found the documents that he sent. Mm. So you knew when he sent it. So I feel like I need to say, though, that Micah and Daryl. I actually have it here. If you may read it. Or really. <laughs> hold on. They were really they didn't want to let you go. Micah didn't. I mean, that they I mean, I just felt like. I remember you told me it looked like he was about to cry, like he was empathizing. Mike Andrews, yeah. Yeah. He didn't. Well, you got to understand all the stuff we had riding right now. Right. We had a food service program, a rescue program. We had a culinary training program that was coming down the pipe we were already getting funded for. I mean, there was a lot going on. But even without all that, the food service at the foundry had always been a problem until I got there. And then it wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah. So it was a lot. Um, so, yeah. So then coming home and telling me, I think you said that it was. Um, you were upset. It was a shock. 
I mean, I was shocked. I was shocked at the whole. I mean, obviously, I was shocked you got fired because I felt like I couldn't believe it. But then I was just the still whole shocked. sexual harassment thing <laughs> was. Well, another thing they told me too. This is what they told me. I said, okay, this might be a technical thing, but I can fight this. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. You're not going to label me with something like that. And they said, if you don't try to get unemployment and if you just resign, I had a little bit of a PTO. Like they gave me like a month's salary severance package or whatever you want to call it. Then this will never be opened up. Like nobody, it won't go like against you in any kind of way. And you know me, I'm like, no, I'm I'm going to fight that. I don't care what I got to do. I'm not I'm not taking a label or something like that. And they were like, no, no, if you just do this, this, and this, then it won't ever get... The only way it could ever get opened up is if you open it up. Right. And then um, there was one conversation, too, at the end there, and they were like, and the last thing, you know, what about your mom? Because, you know, my mom was working at the foundry at the time. She was the dorm director for the women's program, and I was like, oh, shit, I don't know. It's going to be hard for y'all. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know my mom. Um, but I agreed, you know, I mean, because at that time, I still loved the foundry. I wanted it to succeed. I didn't want to see anything that I built get tore down because of some stupid mistake or some evil scheme that Jeremy plotted against me. I really, I wanted to leave on good terms. So that's what I was trying to do. But when yeah. I came home and told you, you were like, freaking out and carrying on well i mean come on now i mean freaking out and carrying on we have three small kids i know but and but you were looking at me like there was more to it i'd done something well it was hard for me to get my head around because i knew what you knew about the culinary program and this and that it's hard for me to get my head around too and it's not that i didn't believe you you act like i did believe you i was feel like i was very empathetic and sweet was i not not at first. You were mad at well, me. Well, I was mad. Well, of course. Yeah, I think my emotion came out as mad, just like... But I couldn't answer your question. Why did you mess... Yeah, because it was lots of questions. So about, I said, finally I said, just, call Daryl. Why do you have to like, do these things to get fired? <laughs> That's true. I, I, I was very mad at first. I said, just call Just because it felt like it affects all of us, can't you see? And then like... Yeah. um Yeah, because it just felt like it was like a blow, a blow, and then a big blow. like and the, yeah. And the sexual harassment thing, I was just trying to get my head around... You know, I was like, am I missing something? It just seems so <laughs> crazy. I mean, you admit it, it, was it was like crazy. Like, so just the Jeremy thing about you joking about the man titties and that sexual, it just felt very extreme and yeah, hard to get my head around knowing what I know about you, how hard you work and how many things you had going and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say that given a couple days we were at the beginning of 21 Days of Prayer, that it was the one thing that kind of shook me out of my funk. With your mom? With my mom in a positive way. Yeah. Because it was just like, okay, we got to figure this thing out and figure out what's next. Like, it kind of just shook me out of my... Um, it was a, it was a shock. I mean, I, I don't know. And it was embarrassing. I felt like... Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to hide it, but at the same time, I don't want to advertise. Like, what do I do? Right. I remember right. Micah was like, you know, you can do anything you want to. You can have as long as you need to get your stuff out of here. Because I literally had all my restaurant equipment and stuff from Cairo's and just, I mean, it was a lot yeah. to try to deal with. But I told him that day, I said, no, give me a week. I don't do this hanging around, hanging on kind of stuff. 
Like, give me a week, and I'll come up with a plan. I'll get my stuff out of here. But in the meantime, Jeremy had moved on, true to his pattern, the stuff that he's done at other places. <laughs> Wreaked havoc, really messed up a lot of stuff, and was gone. But all this chaos was there. But then when I was cleaning my office out, I found the letter that he wrote. I think I want to read it. Okay, I have it right here. I found it. because. So this letter he wrote. And when he was working out his two weeks' notice, no, this was this was the letter he left like the last two days he was there. When, when he, I was suspended, when you were suspended for the yeah. discrimination comment, yeah, okay, go ahead. But I printed this off the last night that I was there cleaning out my stuff, and I brought it home because I wanted you to read it. But there was somewhere during that time, I think it was the next day, Jesus said, "I want you to save that letter, put it in your journal, and one day you're going to thank me for that." And I was like, "Ooh, I mean, I can't." I can't even. But uh, let me just read it. Yeah. It says, This letter serves to inform all necessary parties and individuals that I, Jeremy, I won't say his last name, was touched inappropriately on many different occasions by James K. Jones. I was also verbally abused by Mr. James K. Jones as well. The verbal, physical, mental abuse started soon after I became a program participant at the Foundry Ministries and continued until I requested a meeting with Human Resource Liaison Daryl Six months later, I warned James on numerous occasions that I do not like to be touched, and yet it continued. (laughs) This is so stupid. So they didn't mention anything. Okay, I'll let you finish the letter. James also seemed to enjoy belittling me in front of program participants about me having, in his words, man boobs. I asked him several times to stop making the inappropriate comment, and yet it continued. Thank you for your time and consideration concerning this very important matter. Please feel free to contact me if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. That felt like when I read that, it felt like a knife through the gut. Like, because it it's all, that's none of that's true. I mean, there was some technical. We have to address, he said, you touched him in inappropriate ways. And that's bullshit. What was he referring to? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Maybe about. you like, like when you're playing with the man titties, like, doing I didn't something play like with that. his titties. I don't do that. I or, mean, I'm like, I'm trying to understand why, like, so it's just like flat out lie that you touched him. Touched him? Well, that's what he said. I don't know. No, I didn't touch him. That's crazy. And so, but, and also that he asked you numerous times to stop. Which is not true. It was a joke. It was a running joke. Did he ever ask you to stop? No. Not once? No. Wow. It was a joke. Yeah. And it was a joke that he laughed at. Yeah. Because it was funny. Yeah. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was funny. Anyways, he texted me like three days after that and said, I heard a rumor that somebody told you that I said, and they said, and I, we're going to have to get together and have a meeting and get to the truth. And I screenshotted that, that letter, and I texted it back to him, and I said, this is all the truth I need. Go on with your life. God bless you. I ain't trying to be mad at you, but don't ever try to talk to me again. So there we have it. I'm fired. You fire. <laughs> so I know we talked about the thing with the girl, yeah. Andy. Mm-hmm. And this is like fully loaded. And I will have to say that from here later, it became clear that this, it was all like very much purpose in this and a plan. And like well, we're, we're, that needed to happen for you to get to the next thing. But we're to the end of we've been talking for like an hour. So we probably need to keep going with that. Our next episode will be the last one of the season and probably the last episode of the Straight Out of Prison podcast because we've come to the end of the story. But there were a few things that happened after this that I think will wrap up this season beautifully. Well, let's show people before we go that yeah. you do have some humility. 
Yeah. So what did you learn from that whole situation? If, I mean, Which you one? learned a lot, but what's the main thing you learned with the whole, with all of it, but mainly like the Jeremy thing and just take away that you're like, okay, I want to learn that I can do this different or know this now or whatever. What's your biggest? You want me to tell you the truth? You're not going to like the answer. I, I mean, I'm. it's not about me liking it. It was to, to do my own thing and not be accountable to bureaucrats and people in big organizations. Because <laughs> even the course that I bought, um, I went ahead and did that because I'd already spent my $50 plus I love John Maxwell. It was yeah. on professionalism. I was like, dang, he agrees with everything I say. We're, we're too uptight. Everything's too uptight. We waste time on stuff that don't matter. And that's yeah. not who I am. I think the biggest disappointing thing, like from my perspective, is that, I mean, you can... You can be certain ways and not communicate, you know, very effectively, in my opinion, or whatever. Yeah. But is that you didn't have the opportunity, like he didn't come to you. No. All of that was like behind the back and not kind of addressing it with you like he said he did, but he used it as a weapon without even giving you a chance. This was a pattern. He's done this before, and if he don't get some help, he'll probably do it again. And I do want to highlight what you said. You felt like the Lord told you about the letter. Yeah. Keep it. I still got it. And you're going to thank him for it. And I do. Are you thanking him for it? I'm thanking him for it every day. Yeah. I mean, because it got me out of that. And maybe we can end with this, and then we'll carry on to the next. Something happened to me the day that, I went to get all my stuff out. I waited till a, I waited till that next Saturday because I knew you know, there wouldn't be a lot of people around. Because I had stuff all over the foundry. I had stuff in the administration building. I had stuff in the outreach. I had stuff in storage. And I, I needed this to be a one and done. I'm gonna get all my stuff and I'm out of here. And I probably left more stuff than I should have or would have. Mm-hmm. But you know how I am when I decide this is what I'm gonna yeah. do. This is what I'm gonna do. Um. That day when I was packing up my office in the administration building, just coming out, I felt like the Lord was like, turn around and look. And I was like, okay, what am I look at? <laughs> He's like, what do you see? And I said, a little building in Bessemer. <laughs> Why do you think it's so huge? What I've got for you is way outside of anything that's going to be in these walls. You're striving, you're working hard, you're doing all these things, but really, in the long scheme of your life, this is not going to be really that significant of a deal this is just a blip in the road and it was hard for me to say that at the time because i was hurt i mean right. it wasn't just getting fired it was getting betrayed and getting mm-hmm. stabbed in the back right getting, i'm not angry about that now i have forgiveness but i'm also not gonna lie and say that wasn't bullshit because that was bullshit well but i do think i i can say this as your wife i mean that you are willing to learn things that's one Absolutely. thing like even in marriage i appreciate it might take you a minute. I mean, usually minimum 24 hours, but that you will admit when you're wrong and you'll admit and you'll do work to to, to do something different, to be better, yeah. to grow. Yeah. And you do all those things and you did all those things there. But I do think it's it was like you said, like it was just hurtful. You felt stabbed in the back. I did. Yeah, I did. So, but anyway, the next day was the second day of 21 days of prayer. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I wrote in my journal was that Jesus said, I did this. So trust me and don't be stuck. Don't let this get in you. But uh, we'll talk about that in the next episode. We'll uh, deal with all that. Tune in next week (laughs) for the rest of the story. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, your life's not over. (laughs) Keep going. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Hey guys, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We'll get in touch and consider whether or not it's a good fit. Schedule us for your podcast or to be considered as a guest on our platforms. Contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and clicking the Join Forces button. And hey guys, for exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones. Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms when they're completely free from ads. The Straight Out of Prison podcast, the For Real Real, and There in the Gap. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast. Or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and more. I'll also put all that in the show notes. There's really too much to mention here. Thank you for your support, and thank you for being a part of our story. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business 
on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If, if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keeley at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 